Hey, we're here with Dr. John Williams from the University of Canberra. Um, we'll be discussing a 2019 article that Dr. Williams co-authored with uh, Dr. Shane Pill, who was here earlier on uh, episode 33 with uh, the game sense approach, which we're going to get into here. So the uh, paper we're talking about today is titled Using a Game Sense Approach to Teach Baranjan, um, which is an Aboriginal game. Um, and this was to address social justice in physical education. This paper um, is in the Journal of Teaching and Physical Education. It should be out by the time the podcast launches, but uh, currently, as we're speaking of it, it is ahead of print. So, uh, Dr. Williams, thank you so much for joining us to talk about your article. No problem. I'm very happy to be invited to take part, Ristol. So, let's get into the paper. Um, can you begin a little bit about you know, telling us about your background leading up to the study. I know we talked off air a little bit about your interest in uh, the game sense approach and also uh, the Aboriginal games. Um, I know you've done some prior research with how Indigenous students experience physical education and Aboriginal games, like the one that I may have mispronounced to begin with. Um, so can you kind of explain how this study is positioned within like a larger line of inquiry? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so as you have picked up already, I'm not from Australia originally. Um, so I came to Australia 11 years ago and began work as a high school um, physical education teacher in Canberra, in the nation's capital. And what I noticed when I first came here and I started working with the Australian students was that there was an absence of Aboriginal perspectives. So quite simply, if you came to Scotland and you came to some of our schools, you would see Scottish Highland dance, um, with country dance happening, for example, in PE classes. So there's a definite, a definite um, mention of culture in our classes in Scotland. So coming to Australia, I just thought it'd be the same thing. I thought there would be Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island perspectives somehow in the PE curriculum. And when I got here, I was really surprised mm -hmm. to see that those perspectives were silenced. So for me, it kind of sparked a whole research area around how indigenous content and mention is, is or is not in physical education. So that's what kind of sparked my interest. Um, and that was, as I say, 11 years ago, and, and it kind of led to the game Burrigan, uh that you, you kind of mentioned there, which is said differently from how it's um, spelled. It led to the development of that game, importantly with the local indigenous people. Um, so I, I helped them, I guess, um, develop that game in Canberra. Um, over the last 10 years or so, and that actually then led, as you said, to some inquiries, some research publications around that that, that came from my PhD, which was in that area as well. Okay. Now, this specific study talks about the need to develop these new pedagogical approaches to foster social justice. Uh, and to stop the marginalization of minority cultures, which we talked about being the Aboriginal population there. So when we look at this from your perspective and prior knowledge, why did you choose the game sense approach? And uh, has it been used previously to address issues of social justice? Um, it's a good question. I think, that, I think that the reason I used game sense approach was under a broader umbrella of uh, quality physical education. So, um, 
Dr. Pearl and myself have done some work already about what quality PE means in the ACT in Canberra in the Australian Capital Territory. And to us, um, quality phys ed is, is obviously a lot more than just playing a game, which unfortunately is what can sometimes happen in primary schools globally. There's, there's plenty of research about about physical education in primary school being kids just playing a game, which is, is, is anything but quality of physical education. So to give it to give um, some kind of quality aspect or a way of framing quality PE, uh, we use the idea of a pedagogical approach as a Western knowledge form, if you like, with the Aboriginal game. Now teachers in, in Australia are through the Australian curriculum are are invited to teach indigenous perspectives where they can across all subject areas. Uh, they're not mandated to do that, but where there's an opportunity and there's a what we call a cross-curriculum priority in the curriculum, um, which invites um, teachers to do that. So I saw this as an opportunity where Burrigan could be uh, meaningfully taught, but to take it a stage further, uh, to have a pedagogical framework that was evidence-based uh, to actually allow that to, to happen. So that's where the two things came together, accepting that um, you've got uh, Western and non-Western uh, knowledge forms coming together, and that in itself produces tensions, which I feel in the paper we were able to work our way through in a respectful way. Great. Can you can you give us a little background on this game, Burlington, yeah. um, and and what was the rationale and why you chose that game? for this particular study? Yeah, no problems at all. So, so the game, um, we chose the game because it ticks the boxes in many ways about what quality PE is, which is kind of ironic because historically Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island games, like many traditional games of Indigenous peoples throughout the world, were, were effectively largely wiped out or certainly colonial powers uh, tried to do that. and. Burridgen's an example of a game that's been revitalised in Australia, um, along with in other countries, uh, Zulu games in Africa, um, and you know games, traditional games, Red Indian games in the States. You know these games have started to to reappear and be revitalised, uh, and 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 I think usually with certainly here we try to involve local people uh, very importantly in doing that where we can. They take a lead in it. So with Burrigan itself, as I mentioned off here, Burrigan involves more what we call in Australia fundamental movement skills, uh, which we teach in primary school. So things like a uh, vertical jump, specifically Burrigan will cover a vertical jump, leap, um, or, or incorporate those things, dodge, um, overarm throw, catch, um, trying to think other ones, uh, yeah, catching, I think I said as well. So quite a number of, of those um, fundamental movement skills. They then lead into. They can then be sequenced into sport-specific skills. So, as a game, this, it probably uses more fundamental movement skills than any other game we do in PE. But what it does also allow is it's a fast-moving game. There's no offside rule, um, and it lends itself very well to tactic and strategy, which of course is a, a, a large part of a game sense approach. Developing thinking players and getting students to work out and develop um, defensive um, structures and attack structures. Uh, so from that, we were able to actually use that really well uh, to blend in with a game sense approach towards a notion of quality PE. 
and sorry, sorry, Bruce, okay. another thing to add was, yeah. um, we talk about physical education being moderate to vigorous exercise, and that's a kind of, certainly in ACT, that's in some of our um, government directives. And the good thing about Burridgeon is it's a vigorous game, it's end-to-end, and it's very much um, on par with basketball from that point of view, that it's an end-to-end game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll uh, link to a video to kind of get a short clip in the podcast notes for those of you listening so you can kind of see what it looks like if it's if it's harder for you to imagine. But it does seem like it does check a lot of the boxes as you talked about. Um, so with the methods of this study, can you kind of explain those through uh, to us? And I know you used uh, part of self-study to add a little different element to this. So can you discuss why you took that approach along with the interviews? That yeah, you so the, the approach of self-study was something the reviewers recommended or suggested that we do. Um, and it kind of, it just kind of pulled together a lot of, a lot of the different kinds of data that we had. So I kept a journal of um, what it was like for me uh, to go and teach this content. So, so one of the one of the kind of aims of the study was for me to learn more about game sense as well. Um, so, apart from the kind of cultural aspect, to it, it was an opportunity for me to learn from from uh, Doctor Pill Shane Pill as a internationally recognised expert in game sense to actually develop my own knowledge about game sense. Um, so, I used a reflective journal to document. What, what I felt um, and, and experienced is quite a kind of, I guess, uh, vulnerable part of that process where I actually was um, writing about what it was like for me to go and sort of walk the talk and actually deliver that, that unit in a school. As a teacher educator, um, it's easy to sit in our office and write and talk about how you should teach phys ed. Um, but to actually go and do it was was to a school where I didn't know the students and I wasn't familiar with it. Was, it was stepping right outside of my comfort zone. So the way it worked was um, I taught um, I taught five lessons in a small unit of work um, to two different classes. And after I spoke to Doctor Pearl about about how I would um, about the planning of the first lesson and how to, how I would incorporate a game sense approach in that. And then once I actually delivered that lesson, I would then speak to um, Shane um, over the telephone because he's in a different uh, state. He's based in um, based in South Australia. And then I would tell him about what happened in the lesson and, and he would talk through about with me and we would decide what we'd do in the next lesson. So it was a really good way for me uh, to have a unique opportunity of um, you know using an expert as a sounding board about how I could shape my next lesson using that game sense approach. So it was it was incredible experience compared to, um, for example, you could go to a game sense conference and get some kind of learning from that. But this was really context specific to my own needs, and it really helped me understand game sense and get a really authentic experience that I don't think you can get in any other kind of a way. So that's how the game sense informed lessons happened it was it was a really rich way to do things and i think that you know self-study is, is an approach that um is not really a traditional methodology but it's it's gathering a lot of uh, traction in the physical education space and it's definitely an area i want to look at a bit more 
uh, as a methodology and also help some of the junior staff that are coming on board. Um, we've talked about um, that in the university where I work, about using self-study as a methodology for some of the young people that are coming on and learning to be uh, teacher educators. Yeah, and it seems like you really got out of the quote-unquote ivory tower and got into the trenches for this study. Um, so uh, I'm curious what the students' initial reactions were when you introduced this unit. So, you know, were they excited about learning about indigenous games or were they a little bit more hesitant at first? How did that think, play out? To be honest, I was maybe a little bit surprised. I mean, I think children never cease to... to um reminds you how much they actually know about things and their actual enthusiasm for life, I think. I think the problem is that adults sometimes get in the way and we often don't give children uh, credit for how much they actually do know, especially, well, any child, I think. But So so, so essentially when I went to uh, meet the, the, the kids for the first time, um, they, they were really enthusiastic about it. Like they were really, um, they were really keen to do something different. Often in, in physical education, as you know, uh, students get the same content over and over again. And, and you know, and Mona experienced anecdotally, when I introduced Burridge as a teacher to my own students, students who would not engage in PE, and I'm talking about non-Indigenous kids um, as much as Aboriginal kids, suddenly become interested. You know, and I think they, they were they were quite excited about doing something different and I think in the paper uh, we actually quote one or two of them saying things like it was great to research indigenous culture through a game and it's um, I think but if you look at the broader social significance of sport and games you know I think there's that cultural richness that you can have in sport generally um, which is often overlooked by outsiders who just think it's playing a game but I think the students really recognise the cultural significance of the game rather than just playing a game. But I think it's really important how that's introduced. And I made clear to the students about the background to that game. And that's something that we, with the Ngunnawal people, who are the traditional custodians of the land in, in which our, our teaching takes place in Canberra, they're very keen that there's a cultural connection um, and a definite recognition of culture whenever we do these games. That's a really important thing. Uh, that we get back to the game where it's played or where it was played if the game has been, um, you know, not it's not continued anymore. But in most cases, these games are continued, and it's making sure that students are aware of that as a living culture. So, in your results section for research question two, when you talked about student voice, you had these main uh, three main themes that focused on, you know, one connections with the students' existing knowledge. Uh, then the second one was significance about that culture or significance of cultural knowledge. And then finally, connections to social justice. And so can you talk us a little bit through each of those main themes and how they kind of related back to the purpose of your study? The connections with the students existing yeah, of course. knowledge? So like a lot of places in Australia, we use a quality teaching model to to uh, frame a lot of what we do. And, and part of that is uh, looking at connections with what the students know already. So with Burridge and I guess another benefit of it is it incorporates a lot of different elements of other um, sports that we would recognise. Um, so for example, European handball, there's a lot of similarity to that. Mm-hmm. Now, now what is really important though is that we don't appropriate um, Burridge into European handballs, but I mean stealing of culture. 
So as a Scottish person, mm-hmm. it's um, it's a tension, and it's a it causes me discomfort to be often um, showing Aboriginal people or uh, telling them about their game. I mean, in my own wider research, some of those yeah. Aboriginal students that I spoke to didn't even know they had traditional games. Such was the effect of colonisation. So there's a tension there. So I make sure with uh, none of all people. Um, we've got an elder in residence here, Auntie Rosalind Brown. So with uh, Rosalind, uh, she invited me to help help them uh, write some protocols around teaching Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander games in the ACT. And basically with that, it's really important that when teachers teach this content, that they always give Burridgeon its cultural place. That's not just um, absorbed into another Western game. Like European handball, but also brings in, but it also brings in um, kind of similarities with, I guess, basketball, European handball, uh, soccer. There's a lot of similarities. So things like tactic and strategy, uh, and and using space, for example, in attack and defence, um, actually um, can cross over and transfer from those other sports that students can pick up Burgeon quite quickly because of some similarities and also. Um, because we use Western equipment, so we use a, a single cricket stump. You've seen the, the video clip, um, and we use conventional, um, typical PE equipment, including European handball. So, so that's the kind of connection to background knowledge, and um, that that connection there. Um, so that was what that was. And then your second one was the significance of that cultural knowledge. Can you yeah, so I mean, that? the significance of cultural knowledge is the fact that getting the students to actually, I guess, use critical inquiry to, to start to think, well, why do we play the games that we play in PE? And, you know, where does this game fit? And it's, it's just getting that kind of idea of um, that just because you, you, we play these other Western games that that, that's problematic in itself and getting the students to kind of unpack um, this idea of social justice about about right and wrong and to start to think about, well, is that right? And like I said earlier, uh, often those students know a lot more than what we give them credit for. And and in the interviews, it came up quite clearly that, you know, they, they, they were very much aware of um, the, the injustices that Aboriginal people have had done to them and still... Uh, get done to them, and I think it, it just—it was another way of uh, raising awareness about about another example of social injustice. The fact that Aboriginal games aren't even in um, a lot of curriculum content—they're given some mention, but I think it's changing now. I think through this study, for example, uh, and certainly the ACT, the ACT government have been really good at, at trying to kind of develop um, indigenous perspectives in the curriculum. This is a good example of that. So we've now got a thousand kids roughly a year that play in um, school competition for Burridgeon and 10 years ago that, that didn't happen. So that's been revitalized. So I think through Burridgeon, the students have another opportunity to look at uh, or another example of where indigenous culture has been lacking or missing. And then, they can, then we can ask other questions around why do you think that is? Why has that happened? So I think it's um, there's different aspects of significance. That's one of them. And then the other part, which I think is also very kind of cool, is the fact that, you know, this is a game that takes all the boxes in PE and it's, you know, it's a bit ironic, the fact that it's, it hasn't been there um, because it's actually superior 
to many versions of sports that we do in PE, whereas, you know, ironically, um, historically, Indigenous games have been portrayed as being inferior, and that's part of colonisation. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit, it's a little bit of a flip there, which is really, it's nice to see that um, and, and get that, that out, that it's, it's a very inclusive game that ticks all the boxes as far as quality PE is concerned. Yeah, and I think you alluded to this a little bit with with a lot of that, you know, the connections to social justice, which is the third theme. Can you do you have anything else to yeah. add to that and how you? Sure, I think that? I think um, we talk about reconciliation in Australia, and as I said off here, that that as far as I understand is about Indigenous people and non-Indigenous people working together, and I think that. It's a very sensitive area that Aboriginal people, Torres Strait people, have had so much of their culture stolen from them already that you know I've got, I've got a certain discomfort working in this space. But it, it, reconciliation, if my understanding uh, is that it, it requires both parties getting together, and I think that that if um, if we don't kind of make small steps like this, then. Things tend not to change, you know. I think I think it requires people on both sides of the table getting together and doing it in a respectful way. And I've always tried to do that, and you know, like that's really it's a really difficult thing to do when, when there's been so much hurt and damage done to the culture, indigenous culture historically. So I think it's. I just think if nothing else, the game, if it's taught in the kind of way that we did it. It, it kind of raises awareness um, more about indigenous culture reconciliation. It just keeps th- it keeps it in the forefront of people's minds, and you know I think it's just another vehicle through which social justice and reconciliation and questions around that can can be brought into schools where where kids can start to you know like get a real experience of of what it's like. I mean, I also as part of the just to finish this part off, as part of the discussion leading into that game, I spoke about Rosalind Brown, who I mentioned already. So Rosalind's our elder in residence, uh, who's the chair of the United Nunnawal Elders Council in Canberra. And she spoke about how when she was a child, when she's talked to me about this, she spoke about when she was a child, she'd get punished for playing games that were from her culture. So that was another aspect of trying to wipe that out. And it's, it's... Really good now to see that those games are are being um, are being played now, and it's it's moving away from that deficit model. Yeah, yeah, and I think the the parts that you talk about of reconciliation, and also you know the one thing that stuck out to me in those results that when you talked about was how you as a Scottish person coming in and teaching these games, that's level one, but level two of you are teaching Aboriginal students their games, their heritage, which kind of like struck me. I, I felt like, I mean, that's, it must be like you talked about also, it feels uncomfortable. Um, but again, if you're not talking about it and you're not being a champion for that, then you know sometimes the question is who is, and I think this kind of relates to. We've had two other um, studies on the podcast, episode forty-seven with Sue Watman, that talked about uh, disrupting Pete teach education in with the di- indigenous knowledges, and then the other one was uh, episode sixty-one with my um, 
former classmate Mara Simon, um, who talked about, you know, researching as a white female ethnic minority females who are teaching physical education in um, mostly predominantly white settings. And it was just like, it's interesting to hear your perspective of coming in, but even taking that to the next level and, you know, having that, um, you know, elder and residence process. And, you know, I think those are really cool concepts to really start rebuilding relationships. Um, I, I see a lot of my Australian colleagues have this kind of sign off on their email of, you know, that they acknowledge where their university is placed, that their university is placed on land that wasn't theirs. And so I think there are there are certain things definitely that are still missing. But I think, you know, if you look at U.S. and the native, uh, the indigenous Native Americans here, like, I think there's a lot to learn from even what Australia has done in the last several years. I think so. I think it's got, um, I guess that's why the paper was accepted in the Journal of Teaching and PE because the uh, US journal, but uh, what you say, I think there's, um, there's, you can, you can generalize what we do here to the world, but there's a lot of similarity. And I think that, I think mm-hmm. if you look at the, the, the British empire, basically two thirds of the world was, was controlled as part of the British Empire, and and that it's not it's really important not to forget historically because a long time ago it doesn't mean we just forget about it, but but it's interesting because games like cricket, you know, rugby, things like that were used as instruments of colonisation. Where we, you know, it's important that people remember that. So one of the things I talk about with my students is, you know, why do we play cricket in Australia? And they talk about it being the first national team game. And so on, but it was also used to, as a way to civilize and inverted commas indigenous peoples right through the world. So that damage is mm-hmm. ongoing. It's not something that's gone away. That's that's uh, the, the results of that that process are evident now. And, and it's like there's a lot of like you say, there's a lot of work still to be done about decolonizing that. And it's not it's not to say that uh, white we should take away all the Western games. It's not. I'm not suggesting that for a minute. And in fact. We're actually writing a paper at the moment which is about how Aboriginal people in Australia have used rugby league and Australian football to continue mm-hmm. their culture. So it's not that would just be ridiculous to, to say that, you know, we should take away, you know, all the Western games. It's it's part of reconciliation, it's trying to bring all all of this together. But yeah, it's important that we acknowledge the wrong that's been done. And like I say, like these games yeah. were used these British games, particularly cricket, um, was used to civilize um, indigenous peoples and to to, um, to get them to to acknowledge the superiority of British culture. When in fact, ironically, some of yeah. those games, and I'm sure uh, Native American games, there'll be some evidence of that as well. Some of those games are actually far better in PE for, uh, compared to some of the things that we do in terms of the aims of PE. You know, yeah. so yeah, and I know lacrosse in the in in the U.S., especially in the Northeast has been really, really popular. And, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know that that is the original Native American game. And that's, you know, it was it was developed by Native Americans and now is, you know, and not across the board, but it seems like when you watch on TV, a very elitist game, you know, most of the players are white male um, and go into these prep schools and play for private universities and um, but 
it is it is interesting and and I think you're right about it's awesome that JTPE published this paper on you know Australian indigenous games and I mean there's a lot to be researched with uh, native populations think, here. Yeah, so just so, one more family to add just in relation to that. I think yeah. another irony here is that you know when I was teaching phys ed in schools in Canberra um, like ten years ago across or um, I think it was called. Um, uh, like a, a variation of lacrosse with, with plastic sticks, but that was more accepted and more um, acceptable in the curriculum than than Burridgeon was. So as an irony, yeah, that was very much hmm. um, soft soft cross. I think it was called soft cross was was more embedded and same with some of the kind of what I would recognise as Scottish Highland dance. Some of that is pretty much embedded, um, slight variation, but it's it's definitely I recognise it as. Scottish dance, that stuff is more accepted in the curriculum than um, Indigenous games were back then, like the Aboriginal games were, were seen as being an outside, uh, marginalised form very much back then compared to soft cross and Scottish Highland dance in the Australian curriculum. Although that's that's changed, like Burridgeon in particular has, has become uh, fairly commonplace, I would say, in most ACT government schools. And again, that's a lot to do with how much the, the ACD government has been successful in really promoting this. Right. Yeah. And and I think we talked about this a little bit, but moving this into kind of beyond the Australian context, you you provide through this research paper a lot of great insight into how the the game sense approach can enhance student learning beyond what we talked about, these Eurocentric ways which develop the uh, more social just version of PE. So based on your findings and experience, how does this line of research, uh, how is it relevant to PE teachers beyond the Australian context, maybe in, in the well, US? I, I think, um, this, again, like the way we do things here, like you mentioned before, it is uncomfortable for me as a Scottish person to be promoting Indigenous games. And, and I'm very aware of um, the, the tensions that exist in the community. I mean, some people in the Aboriginal community here would, would uh, be completely against uh, someone like me doing this, but then uh, other people in that community are very are very happy about the work that I do, and it's just a constant tension. So I think it's really important that, um, that if American or US teachers are using Burridgeon in their classes, I think they need to go about it, um, and I say this respectfully as a non-Indigenous person, but they need to be making sure that um, the, the, the name, the game is given its cultural background in the way that I mentioned in the paper that, um, that at the start of the game being played, that it's acknowledged as being um, a game that was played by Aboriginal people or is played by Aboriginal people in Australia and how it originated, it originated and so on. So I think that that information is available and I think it's really important uh, that that's given. Yeah. So what advice would you provide to Pete faculty listeners who are interested in helping prepare their pre-service teachers to have more of this kind of, I guess, innovative approach to teaching? Yeah, well, my, my advice would be very similar there. So it would be, there's a, a resource called Yolunga, Y-U-L-U-N-G-A, and it's publicly available through what's now called Sport Australia or the Australian Sports Commission, and that's in the article as well. I would say to them that, um, I would say that the video clip that you mentioned would be useful as a starting point to give 
teachers and students in the states a bit of an understanding and overview of of the game. Like I think I think video is good for that. I think it, and also on on there um, we've got one of our professors talking about it as well, Aboriginal professor, which I think is important too, and, and about um, you know some of the things we talked about today. So I think that's that part's important. And then, so long as you give the game that cultural connection and, and place and positioning, then I think it's it's good and it's okay to move on from that and use um, respectfully some of uh, the approaches like GameSense, you know, to actually develop that game. And I think, I think in terms of like I've I've said a few times, in terms of meeting the aims of physical education, like is a really good example of of um, ticking the boxes. And I think that's why, I've, that's one of the reasons why I like to see it uh, personally played uh, all over. And, you know, if you look at the way that, if you look at soccer as a world game, you know, I think that, I think Burridgeon's got real potential for that that kind of thing. And, and then, you know, I would like to think that most Aboriginal people uh, would, would see it as, as something that they'd be proud about, that that is their game. And the fact that it's being played in this, the States is, is fantastic, so long as it's not stolen. And I, I think that's a big concern that a lot of Aboriginal people have. Uh, mm-hmm. That's another example of their culture being stolen. That's why it's critical that the game is always grounded and positioned according to its Aboriginality. Yeah. So what are some limitations that you that you had in this line of research or what kind of advice would you provide for other researchers uh, interested in, in the approach. Yeah, it's interesting you asked that. I think, I think one of the things that we found, there was two things I can think of that, that really came up when we did this game. The first one was the game involves to score a point in the in the ACT version of Burridge, and there's two different types of Burridge and Tad, a bit more complexity, if you like. There's the game that's in Yolonga, and there is also mentioned from Sport Australia, which um, you can easily access a PDF. Mm-hmm. That game involves to score a point, you run over an end line um, to just score that point. You know, you, catch, you, you, you take the ball and you and you run over the line. Um, the ACT version that was developed by the Indigenous community here, along with some um, health and PE teachers who were involved in that process of actually documenting, writing down rules and so on. Our game or the game played in the ACT in the Australian Capital Territory involves hitting a single wicket, which is what you'll see in the in the actual uh, video. And that's got a, a D, like a marking of a D, D for David shape. So like European handball, mm-hmm. uh, you've got to throw the throw the burrigan or the ball from um, outside that D. Now, what we found in our study was, by doing this, was that, uh, as I'd seen anecdotally, the, the, the students... Uh, quite often just can't hit the wicket. It's a, it's a very narrow target. Um, and what mm-hmm. what I took from that was that probably not enough time spent on teaching students um, deliberately and specifically teaching overarm throw. So their overarm throw is what let them down. And it was really interesting to see um, because there's a really important skill in burgeoning and that seemed to be something lacking. Anecdotal, I've seen it many times when I've taught this. So that was one thing, one limitation, if you like. Um, so f- using a game sense approach, uh, when we noticed that, we did an intervention where we, we did some skills work and we put it back into the game. But with limitations of time, uh, we couldn't make a lot of difference with that. Um, we needed far more time to develop um, 
the overarm throw, so it didn't make a lot of difference when we put it back into the game. So that was something we noticed. Um, the other thing we noticed was um, we tried to do some assessment. So myself and the teacher who was out of school we tried to do some assessment of students during that time and they found that was really challenging and that was something that seen and myself spoke mm-hmm. about. And I hear a lot from teachers that are having time to assess and how we do that when you've got, you know, sometimes we, we had um, 30, well, with 30 students all playing that game at the same time. And I think that's a real tension and a challenge for all teachers of PE. And I think for me, going back into the school, it kind of highlighted to me just how difficult that is to do meaningful assessment uh, and teach at the same time. And, and it's, it's just something that um, I was aware of. And, you know, since then, uh, we've actually done more research, was about to be published about assessing games and sport using evidence-based approaches. And that's something that Shane and myself, like I said, off here, we're about to publish that. So I think that idea about assessment in games and sport probably emanated from this research as well. Yeah, and I think if you talk to a lot of um, pre-service teachers, at least, you know, one of the things, even PE teachers that are in service, one of the issues is how do you assess? You have this idea, you have this game, you have this learning objective, and then now everything's running smoothly. How do you assess effectively? And uh, and that's, that's, that's an issue, I would assume, globally, um, but that's just an assumption based on um, our students and my experience. But I think you talked a little bit about um, your kind of future research and what you were talking about. So when, when we look at the findings from this study and other studies similar to it, it seems that a lot of teachers and students are not initially aware of the approaches of these types of approaches to PE. Um, so what's your advice and in, in kind of in closing on how we as researchers can present this knowledge in a way that's appealing to our teachers? I think, um, I think I've talked about it a bit already, just the fact that um, the, the, the problem has been historically that indigenous games and indigenous culture generally has been portrayed in a deficit uh, way and it's been as always lacking something, you know, and, and it's assumed that and I think I think people still think this. They think that because it's Aboriginal, it's not going to be as good. It's not as good as um, uh, touch football, rugby, the things we do in, in the PE curriculum. And, and certainly when I did my PhD, um, interviewed teachers, and that was what they said. They said, that, well, they said things like, well, if we're going to include Burridgeon, for example, what would um, we take out to fit it in? So it's almost like protecting mm-hmm. what was there already. And I think... That, that's changed a bit. The sociology uses figurational sociology as, as a sociologist. And um, that's basically about how networks of people, um, they change over time with what's important, the values and beliefs of people. And that, that changes over time as society moves on. You know, it's um, like um, from the days of Aboriginal people getting basically shot and hunted. And uh, now things have moved on a bit more towards reconciliation, except there's a lot more to get done. So I think it's I think by mm-hmm. by certainly uh, more publications and that's where my work is at the moment. Uh, it's just, just I guess developing people's awareness, the students and teachers about about those um, perspectives and how they can add a lot of value to what we do rather than being something inferior. So it's moving away from the idea that Western games are superior, and I think that's in the subconscious of a lot of people still that, that in some way. Uh, those Western games are superior, which is it's just 
it's just a, it's just a fantasy. It's not true, you know. And I think um, that's important. So one of the other papers we're doing at the moment again with Shane is um, how how Aboriginal high school students in in Canberra have used rugby league and AFL to continue their culture. So that's a, an interesting paper about yeah. how uh, traditional aspects of Aboriginal culture have been continued through Western Games, which is, again, ironic when those same Western Games were intended to, to wipe out culture, you know? So you've got, you've got that as well. So I think, I think to answer your question, it's about just continuing to develop awareness with people and, and to just, I guess, question a lot of stereotypes and taking for granted assumptions are just not true. You know, like a lot of these things that yeah. aren't true, you know, the idea that there's, there's more, you know, like there's binary thinking about, I've written about this as well, about if you're, this, this applies to not just Aboriginal people, but, you know, there's stereotypes that if you're black, you must be good at sport and you must be fast and you're not intelligent. I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous, but that's the stuff that's in people's psyche and it's trying to change that along with um, along with all the other things we've talked about today. And, and I've written a paper about the way that um, Aboriginal kids are racialised uh, through PE you know, into, into the way I've just spoken about, into this binary thinking. Uh, and you know, they don't have to try, they're natural, there's, uh, they've got this magic, and there's no scientific evidence whatsoever that that's the case. It's, it's more liable to be environmental issues that, 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 that create these amazing performances. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your time. Um, I think, you know, you really, for me, you really brought this paper alive through the background commentary about the paper and about the Aboriginal population. I feel like I learned way more just by talking to you than I did just by reading the paper. So, um, you know, I, I appreciate the time. Um, and for those of you who want to read the full article uh, by Dr. Williams and Dr. Pill, uh, you can check out the full citation in the comments section, and we'll get a video on there as well. We'll post to the Yalunga um, website too, the PDF that you can download. Um, so uh, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I'm very grateful, and, and I hope people over there uh, will, will get the value from it. We've all had here, so thank you very much. Awesome, thanks. That's all we have for you on this one. Um, if you want to follow the podcast, on twitter uh, we are at the hpe podcast and if you are still listening and have not rated and reviewed the podcast that definitely helps us out um and thank you to shelby ison and Alyssa trad grad students who are helping us uh come up with some of the questions on these scripts to make these uh, podcasts engaging and of course to kevin richards and aaron centeo for the help all right that's all we got thanks